everybody. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Taylor. And now we're talking, Darian. Hello and welcome. Today is March 31st, and I am so excited to introduce episode number three with Susan Schultz, editor of the Darian Times. Liz, this is going to be a fun one. Oh, it is going to be fun. It's Schultz. I love Schultz. (laughs) (laughs) I want to call her out like a hockey player on her team. Schultz. Um, No, Susan is, she's an amazing woman, in my opinion. For any journalist navigating these tumultuous times, I take my head off too and say, good for you, my friend. Either drink heavily or good for you. Yeah. I mean, sort of like Jamie Stevenson in our last episode, like someone's always upset about something. I mean, man, this woman, she puts herself out there every day um, and is pretty much holding down an entire publication by herself. I don't know how she does it. I look forward to asking. You know, I didn't realize that every one of her printed articles from our weekly newspaper is also put onto the Darien Times Facebook page. So basically, you know, if you didn't, you don't get enough bruising on the editorial letters that come in, you have an entire social media platform. People just get to shoot one. digital speed bag. (laughs) (laughs) Poor thing. Digital speed bag. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited she's coming in. Yeah, I look forward to introducing Susan. Here she comes. Susan, thank you so much for being here with us. And uh, let's get started. Of course. I'm very excited to be here. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Well, did we bully you into being here, or we just? I feel like we wrote you an email and said, "Susan, we will see you on this date." And you maybe have a choice to say no. No, I'm excited. Actually, I'm. You know, I'm not always the most popular person in Darien, so it's nice to feel. (laughs) That's well. well, You are in our book because you really you helped us to get this rolling. Like we called you and said, "Hey, what do you think about this idea?" And you just spewed ideas like of people to talk to. And I mean, thank you for that. You're one of our earliest supporters, and I'm so psyched to continue the conversation today i know i gotta start i mean i want to start i want to ask you about your stories because you you immediately you spin off good ideas like taylor just said to get to get us even kind of even in this mindset in the first place but before i even ask you about your ideas i'm so curious how a journalist of your nature running a hometown paper gets started you mean on a daily basis or from the beginning? Yeah. How, do, you, do you wake up and brush your... No. no. Um, yeah. How did you... Yeah, the very become, beginning. Yeah. Go all the way back. Okay. Well, um, when I first started at the Darien Times, I have not been a journalist my whole life. I started kind of mid-career. I used to work corporate. So I changed uh, paths about age 35. I went back and got my master's. I always wanted to be an English professor, actually, and I always loved writing, um, but I figured this was a great way because if you want to be a novelist, it's very hard to make money. I was like, okay, I'll write journalistically. And I really loved it. But at first, I just wanted to write features, which is, you know, more lighthearted, fun stories, which I still enjoy doing. But that was the only thing. I really did not have a lot of hard news experience. And this was in um, September 2005, I started. Wow, you know the date. Okay. I this do. Is interesting. I remember. Yes. And your it was corporate the, role before that was doing what? I was an executive assistant. Oh, okay. So, you know, it's a great job and it makes a great living. In the executive media assi- wait, world? It, no, in finance, oh, actually. Oh, totally different world. Okay. Totally different world. But I kind of started feeling at the end of the day, like, how am I making a difference? You know, like, I, I enjoyed the work, but I'm like, you know, I feel like, and I hate to say, but a lot of times my job was like, make sure that the coffee is made correctly and make sure the travel arrangements are made correctly. And you're not writing, which, I, right. which is your passion. I was able like. to actually... I got more responsibility where I was able to help write communications and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, my job was to make someone else do a better job, which is a a great thing. But I decided I wanted to do something different. So when I was in Darien, I started writing features and things like that. And I was happy with that. Were you living in Darien at the time? No, I did live in Darien for two years. We lived in an apartment off of Neroton Avenue, which was a great apartment. But then... Uh, after I got married, we moved to Wilton because we wanted, you know, to have kids eventually. We didn't have kids right away, but we wanted to have kids eventually. We wanted to own a house, so and we couldn't really afford any house in Darien. So I had a big news break in the first year that I worked for the Darien Times. Um, there was a church scandal, which I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with. I remember this. Oh okay. my gosh, I wasn't here, but I've heard some of the elders of Darien talk about this scandal. There was. Um, an issue where a former pastor who's now deceased in one of Darian's churches, I don't want to get into it, but he um, ended up using some of the offertory money to fund his own lifestyle. A internal person at this same church um, ended up being a whistleblower 
and he was a very popular member of the church. He was also a, a, a priest, and he um, he sort of got a lot of the crap. It was well documented. He got a lot of the crap for being the whistleblower, and nobody could talk to him. It was a big media story. It was everywhere. So this and guy's left holding the bag, and he then was sort also of left gets- holding the bag. And then he, you know, he sort of got some crap for being the person who told people about this happening. So he didn't tell anybody. Like he wouldn't talk to any media. I went to a mass, and he gave the homily, and I was so moved by this homily, which was during um, Easter time. So he talked. To, he, the homily was about, and the, the gospel was about Jesus sacrificing himself for his flock. Wow. Which was wow. It was almost uh, you know being coming from a, an English major background, the analogy couldn't have been better. You know what I mean? So I wrote an actual sort of a narrative story about my experience watching this. And after I did that, he contacted me. Oh, wow. And we talked. And we talked off the record at first, and it was almost a little bit like Law and Order, where he was like, I don't want anybody to know I'm coming into the office, because we had a full office at that time, a storefront. Right. We walked around the parking lot of Corbin Drive. This is like a dateline. Seriously. You know, like he's masked, and the voice has changed over. Yeah, we walked around, we walked around, (laughs) and he ended up telling me his whole story took notes, he decided he was going to leave the priesthood and the church, and he said, I want you to tell my story, but I want you to publish it the same day so he can drive off. It was crazy. Glorious. It was, it was a big deal. When he took uh, the story, by the way, I feel like it was a lot of money, by the way. It was a couple I mean, of million dollars. I mean, this, is like a, this became a national story. It was a national story because the funniest thing is when my story was published, when I got to the office the next day, my editor said, um... Susan, the associate press just called for you. No. And I was like, because nobody could find this gentleman. Right. So you. I was the only one. And it, even the New York Times had to write about it. And they said he chose only to tell his story to the Darien Times. Susan you broke Schultz the story. on the map. And that nice. was and that was it. And once that happened, I was like, I am a I'm news in. person. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. And it just changed my whole outlook. And after that, I was. I just wanted to write the news. Well, that must, I mean, it must really be the fire in your belly every day because every day. you're still doing it even despite the headwinds. Like, yep. God bless you. I mean, it's really. So did you only stay at, uh, you've, have you only been at Darien Times for your journalistic career? Yes. Well, I worked, I got my master's degree at Quinnipiac and I interned at the hour for like six months. But um, I was always very fond of um, the small community newspapers so I pursued a career at one of the small community newspapers. I did features for them at first, and then there was an opening at the Darien Times, and I interviewed, and I got it. So, well, I got. I'm, I'm always curious. What is the benefit of working for a small town paper? I see such loveliness in it, but at the same time, maybe as a journalist, it lacks the national stage excitement. So my question is to you: Is what has kept you at the Darien Times, running a local paper for all this time? I mean, it's been what I don't know, sixteen years. Oh, awesome. I haven't been the editor for sixteen years. I've been the editor for. Nine, but you know what it is? Because it's not about, I don't want my job to be about me. And when you're a community newspaper person, you have every kind of story to tell, every single kind. If you had a xylophone, that's my job. So you have, Darianne has had tremendously huge nationwide news. It has had the tiniest business story, the tiniest people feature like every kind of story you could possibly do. I've, I've had the privilege. That's how I feel about it. I've yeah. had the privilege to be the reflection of Darianne's various aspects. And what really makes me annoyed is when people dismiss Darianne as one kind of person, one kind of house, one kind of attitude. Oh, thank you. Because I have had the privilege of meeting some of the best people I've ever met in my entire life and telling their stories. Jamie Stevens said that too. And I think that's like, it sounds like a cliche statement. Like I'm amazed every day at the people I meet in Darien. But if you live here and you interact in the community, it is extremely true how diverse the experience and culture and life and personalities are here. I don't, Taylor, I don't. Yeah, totally. I mean, and you, you really do tell the stories A to Z. Like I, I cracked up reading the one about the egg inside the egg the other day. <laughs> that was so There was fun. like a super large egg that this chicken laid and what yes. was inside of it. I mean, I was like, wow, did she, she really reported on this. Like, oh my God, I love it. But thank you. I mean, tell us, what are some of your favorite stories or most heartwarming? Or- my most heartwarming stories. I'm um, trying to think. There's been 
so many. I really enjoyed actually to pick a recent one is telling the story about the unfortunate closure of the dock shop. Yes. Because it's such a tokenique road in a tokenique road there. Yes. It's such a a wonderful, perfect Darien business. And the poor gentleman, he just was so bummed about having to close. And it was just great to show like, yes, there are businesses that have struggled through the pandemic, but let's put a face on it. Let's tell somebody's actual story. Um, there's, there's been so many, I, unfortunately I've had a, <clears throat> quite a few tragic stories, which, but also are very moving. You know, there's been some, you know, very important people who've passed away and things like that. Um, but I just really love telling stories that breathe life into these people. Just really try to tell the story from start to finish. You do have a way with words. I, I I have personal experience with you on this. Like a couple months ago, there was our, the oldest house in Darien came for sale oh, that yeah. I was working with with the Architectural Review Board and the Town of Story, Mary Castell. Shout out to Marion. She's amazing. Um, the Pond Weed House came on and Mary and I kind of were trying to get some buzz around and have people of town appreciate this historical architectural gem in our town. The Pond Weed House? Is that what you Pond Weed yeah. House. It's on the post road. You said it's right. so fast. So oh, sure. sorry. Thank you. I, I tend to talk too quickly. <laughs> Um, but the Pond Weed House, and we sent Susan some ideas about this, and the story you put together was so poetic and majestic in a lot of ways. I was, I looked at the house again from a new light just reading your story. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, I do think it helps that I'm also a creative writer, and I think you need some of that. You know, I've got, I've like a a horror novels published, (laughs) and I'm a poet, and you know, I, I think it really helps to... I mean, obviously, journalism is an art in itself, but I think it helps to kind of make it more of a picture, to paint a picture, if you have different yeah. kinds of writing to put into I, it. I, w- I will say, I really miss your editorials. I'm, oh, I'm sorry you. that y- you don't have that luxury anymore because it really was awesome when it was local, and you know now it's it feels more cookie cutter, unfortunately, and I miss it. Yeah, what happened there? Like it was, you always wrote your own editorial, and then in the last year or something, it's it's gone. Hearst as a company has taken it over? Well, um, the reason for that is that there is a traditional line between reporting the news, news writing, and opinion. That is not a new concept. Um, Community news has always, you know, we were a much smaller organization, so it was a little different. The concept is I can't really weigh in on, say, these affordable housing zoning bills and say, hypothetically, if I were to say, these are a bad idea, People are then going to reflect on that when they see me writing the news about it. Right. They're going to think I can't be objective. That makes good sense. About it. That is the reason. And I, I understand that reason. Mm-hmm. That being said, I did, writing editorials was honestly one of my favorite parts of the job. It was one of my f- most emotional parts of the job. I mean, I have written editorials where I feel like the community was just grieving about something and just trying to bring together what people are thinking. Yeah, what you say about the editorial, that, that makes good sense. Mm-hmm. If, if you're subjecting opinion out there. Right. And you know, that brings up the whole, to me, one of the most frustrating things about media this day and age is that journalism, and I wanted to ask you about this, journalism being journalism. Like, I feel like the majority of journalists have lost their art of what that means. I don't want to hear your opinion, Susan, when I read that story right. or I read any story. I want to hear the story for what it is and then make my own opinion. Right. How do you feel about that? As a journalist, you were under fire for this. All, you, all right. journalists. How we all get you? blamed for it. Yes. Okay. Well, I mean, I will uh, I will say that one of my biggest inspirations is Scott Pelley, who was a Darien resident until recently. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky enough to interview him a few times, which is literally like Beatles fangirl. Oh. Everybody jokes around with me like, you know. But he, I've asked him about this, and his one of his best quotes is, there's never been so much access to information out there, but there's never been access to so much bad information out there. Yes. And one of the most important things is for a journalist to be objective. But there's, you know, there's so many different formats of that. Everybody has a blog. Everybody has a .com. Everybody has... So, I mean, I asked him, I said, how do people know? And he said, you're just going to have to find that news source tried and true that you trust but he did acknowledge he said it's very hard and he 
really inspired me in terms of his focus on objectivity. He well, just, how, how do you stay objective? Then? I mean, obviously, you're a smart woman. You're going to have opinions on all these matters, right? You mentioned our zoning. I mean, the political stage right now. How do you write objectively? Is it is it a challenge for you? I mean, or is it natural at this point? After I think it's, I think I do think it's natural at this point because I try, and I'm, and I guarantee you, some people, if they're listening out here in Darien right now, will say that that's not true. They think that I've had accusations of bias on both sides, which means you're doing your job well. Well, because I know you have, right? I mean, I, I try, and I've had accusations literally on both sides. And what I always use, I love quotes. Yeah. Let's have drop quotes. Oscar Wilde always says, "When the critics disagree." The artist is in accord with himself. Yes. So I say, okay, if I've got them on both sides. You're good. So I always go, there's a a site called mediabiasomething.com. And it's a trusted site. And you go in and either people complain about you and they put it in. Or, you know, and it'll tell you, it has a little meter. And they actually go and analyze your news source. So is the Darien Times on there? Yes. And how do you get rated? Which is one of the only weeklies. Somebody must have complained about it. We are straight down the middle that is that their evaluation is that's awesome that susan is, right that is that is how of. we are rated and then another time i was very happy because a student called me i forget they were assigned i think it was a connecticut college and they said we were assigned each assigned a news organization and we had to determine what side they fell on so she called me and she said can you help me i can't figure out what side you're on and i'm like that's, there you go. That's great. That's what we want to hear. No, I mean, just the fact that you're presenting both sides, quotes from both sides and perspective from both sides. I mean, that's that's all we can ask. Right. So thank you. And through all this um, difficulty, I mean, what, I mean, what's been your, instead of the most heartwarming story, what's been your most controversial story that you've covered? Uh, my most controversial story that I've written or that's been at the paper? I mean, I would say our most controversial work has been <clears throat> the special education crisis. Oh, sure. I would say that that was... I don't know what that is. Can you... Did I, <clears throat> yes, am I, I uh, too late to the party for that? No. There was... Um, I will just say that there was a, a period of 2013, 2014, where a group of parents uh, brought concerns to um, the district that in trying to cut costs, because special education costs had gone skyrocketed, okay? There was a... I'm going to say a document that these parents obtained, not through FOI, but they obtained it where it provided a bunch of guidelines about how to handle a PPT, for example. Like if you have a, your child has a, um, you know, a PPT to go in advance with all of the decisions made already by the staff, which is not the way it's supposed to work. According to the way the Darien's operating principles for this well, program? It's, it's, it's by law. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So, like, you're supposed to determine the plan together. Okay. You're not supposed to have a preconceived plan. And um, there was just a lot of anger. It really tore the district apart. It tore the community apart. There was lengthy investigations. There was an interim superintendent. And it was very heated. I mean, I, I got angry texts. I got angry calls. It just wasn't something that a community newspaper was used to handling, in my opinion, or the community was used to hearing from the community newspaper. So it was, it was very... Wait, why is that? Because people were angry that um, they felt that the community was looking bad um, to the public, to the nation. So the newspaper shouldn't have been almost like airing our dirty laundry? In a way. I mean, I think some people also felt that it was a necessary thing to cut down on expenses. They felt that there was something that had to be done to cut down on the expenses. So, I mean, but it just, it was a very passionate, difficult thing. And it just... Well, you're talking about special needs. I mean, that's a very passionate, sensitive it is, it is. subject. I it, mean, it, it certainly has- is. It is. It, it was very difficult. And, you know, again... I feel like I have very close ties in this community and this story and these stories, because they went on for quite some time, really tested some of those. You know, I really had to say, you know, you have to understand I'm coming from the direction that I'm trying to do the right thing here. And the right thing, as one of my friends told me back then, isn't the easy thing all the time. Well, what does the right thing mean to you? Um, The right thing means to tell the truth even when it's hard to do that. And this, these stories, for the most part, they were the right thing to do. 
I mean, they made changes. They made, you know, big changes. They made changes in other towns also. So, and I'm sure some people still to this day who are listening to this are probably (laughs) going to get annoyed at it again. But it really, at the time, it was the right thing to do. And I always say to my critics from that time, did I make mistakes? I certainly did. I was a brand new editor. I wasn't used to having to make these kind of decisions. But my goal was always to do the right thing. That's the only way I can put it. Tell me this, that people won't know this. Sorry, I ask one more question. Let's tell her. No, ask her. What did you feel during that time? What was it like for you personally when you went home at night? What did you think? What did you feel? What conversations do you have your husband? You know, it's hard to explain to people who aren't in the job. So I kind of kept things to myself. I talked to other friends who were in the position. Um, you know, I felt kind of empty, to be honest. I mean, I felt dejected. I felt lonely. But I felt the only way I could get through it was to keep telling myself I was doing the right thing. So, I mean, there's definitely been controversial stories. And part of the the struggle you have with a community newspaper, one of the things I love most about it is these people are, you know, my friends. A lot of them are my friends. I've been here... 16 years. I mean, but that doesn't mean that I can, you know, I I will have to report on things that are tough. So, I mean, it's 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 challenging, but I mean, like, you know, the, no, thank I you have to do my job. And I think on behalf of a lot of kids, you know, I think a lot of families would say thank you. Thank you so much for bringing it to light. Um, and I don't remember, like, was social media as powerful back then? Like, was that also... No, no, it wasn't. There was Twitter was very active at the time, but not we really were not as active back as then. Today. It was just yeah, I mean, you know, there's definitely I'm trying to think of other controversial stories that we've done. Um that again, that was probably the biggest one. There's always smaller controversial stories in between. A lot of times in the past, there's been police reports that have been controversial. Oh my gosh, the police blotter. I mean, I could talk about that with you for an hour. <laughs> well, we come, those we, are the gems of the paper. Yeah, but we actually don't really run those anymore yeah. in entirety. We run ones that are significant because, in fairness, a lot of times these smaller things eventually are dismissed and then we don't always go back and. So we really don't run that as much anymore. But yes, in the past, they've been interesting. <laughs> and controversial. <I'm> sure. <clears throat> yeah, cars I mean, were unlocked again. <laughs> oh, don't get me started Can you just lock that. your gosh darn cars? <laughs> Do you know how many editorials I used to write about those? I wrote a poem. I actually wrote in a different language. I, I mean, I have literally written every editorial. The, the police actually told me at one point they read one of my editorials during their morning briefing to laugh because it was so... It, you know, I'm just like... Oh, People, $30,000 in jewelry. I feel bad for you, but what? Come on, lock your doors. It's so simple. It's, it's such a simple fix. So talk to us a little bit about um, your relationships that you have built in town. What are some of your best? Well, number one, I have to say my girl, Janice Marzano. Janice, she, the depot. She runs the depot. She's amazing. She is amazing. And I, when I, one of the other things I did when I first started I used to go uh, sit at the depot on Thursdays. Because you had a lot of time on your hands. Well, so you could back just go when, sit I, around. when I started, I really did. I mean, I was like, this is a great place to get stories. Because the kid, oh, that was the other controversial, now that you mention it. So I used to sit at the depot, and I would just, the kids would just talk to me, right? So I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then, of course, I'm not going to ever Smart. quote anybody off the record. You're but like then, an undercover cop just sitting there, like smoking the cig, you know, with a right. hat on. I know. Like, <laughs> like so uh, what happened last night, guys? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, what's funny is that, um, so Janice obviously is very passionate about keeping the kids safe. So she would sit and she'd be like, you know, these kids are, there's too much drinking in town. Just come and listen. There's too much drinking in town. So I eventually, we had... Um, a bunch of sessions where I talked to the kids anonymously. And I was like able to... wearing use- a bag on your head? No, or like- <laughs> I was an anonymous. <laughs> I've got Groucho mask and mustache. I see, I see. No, that, I kept them anonymous. That's amazing. So I was like, will you tell me your stories? I won't use your name. So they all told me these various, like, I got drunk last weekend. I did this, I did that. So I wrote a narrative story about all these different kids and their experiences. And we had a cartoon. Oh, Lord. Wait, who, wait, who drew the cartoon? We had a cartoonist at HAN, or Hersa Maycorn at the time. And it was, a, it was a very controversial story, and it was the Grim Reaper 
with a bunch of bottles that had a sign that said, welcome to Darien. I'd love to be a cartoonist. That's hysterical. That's a good one. So let me tell you that it did not go over well. Wait, the cartoon yeah. came with your piece, right? It was on the front page with the, the story. Well, this yeah. is a pretty hot topic in town, and we're actually hoping, <laughs> this is the second time we mentioned it, we're calling you Thriving Youth. Um, we'd really love to have them come and talk with us, because this it is, is such a big thing in town. And I mean, what's your opinion after watching this community grow and develop? Why? Why is it such a hot Why is it so abused in this town, especially among kids? Well, um, from my experience, even as we as adults, when we are so pressured to succeed, to be okay, to be better than okay, to be the best, I feel like that's one thing about Darien that's true, that kids like the rest of us, especially in Darien, because they are so successful. I mean, you have really successful kids who go to great colleges, who are the best athletes. At some point... They have to let loose a little bit. And I think that ends up being their way to let loose. Um, I think also any high school years, you're pressured to fit in. Sure. And if this is the way that you fit in, maybe that's part of it. But I think another part of it is that, and at least in my experience, like from that story, people either think it's no big deal or they don't necessarily want to believe it. And that's, that was the reaction I got from that story. How how the rack people wrote oh, you letters? Furious. People called you, called emailed me. They called Janice. They told Janice that my story was going to have a terrible impact on housing values. Yeah. Okay. So then people still didn't believe it. And then what ended up happening was the high school, and I don't know if it's necessarily because of this story, but it became such a buzz. They had a uh, townwide like parent kid meeting at the high school where they brought a bunch of the kids into the auditorium. It was packed. Wow. And I remember Darien Police Chief at the time, Dwayne Lovello, he got up and he said, and I was in the audience, so I was like cowering, hiding, wearing my grouch yeah, hiding yeah. in that same disguise. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Chief Lovello got up and he said, um, I've heard a lot of talk about how they said the story in the Darien Times is not true. He said, I will tell you from personal experience, that is the correct picture of what's going on in Darien. And I was like, so it was, you know, it was a bit vindicating, but I continued on the series. Um, I ended up talking to another kid about how he plans a rager. Good God. I was like, how exactly do you do that? So he gave me all the steps, and then I wrote Anatomy of a Rager, and that's, I wrote the story about how they planned it. Oh that's fun. Actually, that would be really funny if it wasn't a bunch of 17-year-olds doing right. it. <laughs> so your kids must be like, damn, she knows a lot. Like, like <laughs> Probably not, no. I think they... they they just like, mom's the lady who sits at the laptop with her hairpins flying every day. But she has eyes in the back of her head and knows when I'm sneaking out to do something I'm not right. supposed to. That's true. That's true. Well, luckily, How old are your kids? 11 and 13. So we're not there yet. Okay, not quite. <laughs> yeah, slow down. Slow down there. Yeah, that is that, that would be a controversial story. That's interesting that you... But, but, uh, at 1.2, we, we want to talk to... Um, the the police force here, the chief of police and some of the staff, and kind of hear their stories and that perspective oh, on it. That because would be great. As Taylor said, I mean, there, to me, there's a funny element there, like of like the the tomfoolery that goes on. But if you actually get serious about it, like the amount of abuse that goes on, and then depression, like um, so oh, for sure. Well, I think by definition, I mean, you just look at the you know property values in this town. People, the parents are successful, so the kids have to feel some pressure to live up to that, and mm-hmm. I think. You know, the school system's great, but that also comes with high expectations right. mm-hmm. and competition. And yeah, it's, it. I mean, yeah, I'm headed into it too. My oldest is in right. sixth grade. I'm, I'm nervous about raising kids here, but Susan, you don't, I, thank I know God you, for Janice and the depot oh, yeah. and things I mean, she's like youth and whatever. I mean, that are trying to combat some of this. Yeah. So Janice is one of your, your, absolutely. You know, she's, you know, you go to always girl. been. Yep. Well, you know, it's interesting. To jump back a second, you talked about like the article you wrote about the picture you painted of Darien. I know you don't live in Darien. I know it's just from knowing you personally. What is it like to be a journalist and write about Darien? And what is the positive of that and the negative of it? I'm thinking negative when you write a story like this. Someone might say, well, you don't even live here. How dare you paint that picture? Mm-hmm. Um, and then what does it feel like? Maybe finish up for me with... What does it feel like to live up? You think you live, you live in Wilton, correct? Right. Okay, to live in Wilton and then watch a fellow colleague of yours cover your own local paper. Well, it's funny that you say that because, well, first of all, I think it gives me a better from the top perspective for Darianne because how can I possibly report on the school district if my kids are in it? Great It'd point. be so much harder. You know what I mean? How could I, 
there's where your objectivity True. is a struggle because yes. how can I report on increasing taxes if I know I'm gonna, my taxes are going to be increased? Also, I don't want to run into somebody who's really mad at me at the supermarket. <laughs> so I just want to get my milk. Right. I'm sorry. Like even like there's been times when I've been like just gone to a restaurant and somebody's like, "What do you mean I can't leave my keys in my car? Why can't I leave my keys in my car?" And I'm like, "But <laughs> bag. Um, you just got to bring the bag with you." Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, I just think it uh, makes me a better more objective journalist and having lived here for two years it did help me a little bit i mean i was just you know two years is not that much but i still know my way around so i know the neighborhoods and stuff like that right um we had an interim um the wilton bulletin editor left so i was actually the wilton bulletin editor for a month and a half recently right yes yeah you said middle of uh, late december and january she's doing both papers by herself what Okay, I don't understand what's going on here. So no, Did but you I sleep? Had, no, well, I don't sleep anyway. But <laughs> we'll get back um, to that one too. Well, so I so th- that reflected on me how hard it would be to have to report in my town. Yeah, it was helpful in some ways because I wanted to do a story. I know this person who's doing. Say, I did a story on the Wilton Theater, the Children's Theater, because I know the person who runs it, and I knew they were doing good work. I'm like, here we go. So that was helpful, but. Having worked in Darien so long, I have those connections anyway, so I don't, but, um, you know, again, I had to write on the school district, and I feel, I felt a little uncomfortable with that, just because I, I was objective about it, but I wouldn't want to do it for a living, you know what I mean? I filled in because I, they needed help, and I was happy to do that, but I think it's a challenge to live and report, and some people can do it, and that's great, but A I, journalistic challenge. It's a bit of a struggle for me. I could see that. I think police do the same thing, right? Typically work in towns they don't live in. I mean, I think that's probably easier for them. I know some have lived in Darien. I don't know the current, but I mean, I think that's probably easier. Yeah, I don't know. But to your point about like relationships, I feel like you've got really strong relationships in this town. Like, Can I go on a limb and say you might have better relationships in Darien than you do in your own hometown? Oh, I think that's probably true. Really? (laughs) Yeah, I do because... um, Like, who who are your people here? My people. Um, Give me your peeps. My peeps. I want to hang with your name peeps. Name. <laughs> okay, you don't mean I, I don't know. I just want to hang out with your peeps. Can you invite me next time? I will invite you next time. I have a, a peep conference. Okay. <laughs> well, we did. I will say we did hear from one of your peeps that you are quite a cook. So talk to us about that. Because I mean, I heard that you might have been cooking for the police force. Uh, well, I do enjoy cooking, especially in during the pandemic. That was, you know, I've always enjoyed. Actually, I, I've I've enjoyed cooking for quite some time. I'm half Irish, half Italian, so I get my grandma's Italian recipes, and I love corned beef and cabbage because my other side of my family is Irish, and we always had it. And I remembered that um, <clears throat> the Darien police, actually, I think all of the MS, but I can't remember, they used to go for breakfast on St. Patrick's Day to the public house before it closed. Oh. You remember the Irish public house that's now the French place oh, behind, on Center Street? Yeah, yeah, on Center Street, yep. So they would make, he would make them breakfast. And I know that, um, you know, they used to enjoy doing that. And I was watching Corbin Cares, and I just really was inspired by, like, how they were making, you know, food for everybody. And I think Such food is... Exactly. And I feel like, to me, like, you know, everybody has their love language, much as I hate to say, but food is really my love yeah, language. Yeah. I'm like, why didn't you finish that? You know, are you hungry? I always say <laughs> that to everybody. It's you cooking, is it? Or yes. you receiving it? No, cooking. You giving providing it, it. Yes. That's very Italian of you. Oh, it's, I it's love that. totally Italian. It's 100%. Like I make, and I come from a family, like four kids, two parents. So I always make enough for six people, even when it's only four. So I end up like, I have a next door neighbor. I feed them dinner every Sunday. Aww. So I just, I was like, you know, let me just feed the emergency services. You Note know, for the record, you didn't bring any leftovers to this podcast today. <laughs> I want to say that on record, we are starving here. <laughs> you came in I, I'd be happy to do that. Wait, um, so all emergency responders, not even just police. How many people well, did I, you cook for? Well, I, I made dinner for the Wilton Fire Department early March. My daughter's uh, good friend, her father, is a uh, captain at the Wilton Fire Department. So I arranged wow. with him, and I dropped off lasagna and salad and stuff. And then I thought, you know, I, I'm close with the Darien police. We've you know, been working together for years. So I said, would you... You know, I don't even know if you want it, but would you any? And I talked to Captain Marin because I've been working with him for many, many years. And he was like, "Yeah, I think the guys would love it." So I made my girls come would with you me. Like some free home cooked food. Yeah, yes. most people say yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was, that's what I was thinking. Like, okay, you're going to ask that question, you fool. Well, I don't Who's like going to say no to that? I don't like to impose. That's so sweet of you. So I, I brought corned beef and cabbage, and you, your girls came, and with they you. did, and they were like, "Oh, I'm so embarrassed," but. 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> because 13 they're 13 and 11. 13, right. 11 13. So what's for Easter dinner? <clears throat> I don't know yet. I'm supposed to be, but I'm making, I also have a little like rice ball thing where I make rice balls. And I heard your rice side. balls are crazy. I mean, I feel like this might be a Scotty Saturday live squish with. Wow, we are literally reenacting that right now. <laughs> I do yes. hear you have the best rice balls in town, and I would love to try your rice ball right now. <laughs> can I? <laughs> no rice balls? I can drop them off on Friday. If you would drop my your rice balls off on the weekend, that would be the best way to start my weekend. <laughs> God. It'll be a good Friday. That'll make a good Friday night. Wow, we are totally <laughs> SNL right now. This is amazing. <laughs> You know who loves your rice balls? That was a Christmas gift. John this is an Cini. Easter kit. Yes, he does. <laughs> he does. I dropped them off to him. Oh my gosh. So your kids, I think it's adorable. You have your kids doing this philanthropic work. That is so great. You're, I mean, you're, they're of that age where they're griping and thinking, oh my gosh, mom, you're so embarrassing. Why are you doing? But what was your instinct? Why did you even bring your kids in the first place? I guess partially because I want them to see that like my job isn't just in a laptop. <laughs> I'm like, see, these are real people. Look. I'm like, here's the chief of police. Like, he exists. Right. You know, because and it's hard to imagine. Him. Right. I know him. I know him. And of course, they're like, oh, it's, you know. I t- when you get arrested in three years, you're going to be so happy we dropped this off. <laughs> if you do anything stupid, do it in Darien. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, I'm like, I would like, my older daughter, she makes her confirmation in the fall. So we actually did a diaper collection for person to person. And I brought her, and I was like, look, you know, I want, you know, and I'm, maybe right now she's kind of like, okay, back to YouTube. But hopefully, you know, hopefully someday this registers somewhere in the banks where they remember that, you know? Are you, now tell me this, because I'm in the midst of, you know, my sixth grader, like, learning how to write. I mean, they're all learning how to write, but, you know, some better than others. Do you coach them into writing, and do they, do they reject writing because it's what you do, or do you think they... No, actually, they both really love to write, um, and they both are pretty good at it. So far, I mean, and they enjoy sharing my writing as well. Like they, now, are I share... they naturally good at it. Or are you like interjecting? No, I'm not interjecting. Actually, I think they both, you know, they really enjoy. My younger one really paints interesting pictures with her writing, and my older one, she's a good, she was on the literary magazine. Like she's, they both like it. I mean, so hopefully, I mean, I just think writing is so important. Yeah, however you do it. I mean, it's one of your, you know. Communication in general. It's under the spotlight right now. We got to do a better job of it. So I agree. That's great. I agree. And I think writing means that you think about what you're saying, like when you're not on social media necessarily, but like if you're, you know, thinking about what you're writing, I think it's important. I don't want my kid to constantly be writing like RN for right now. And you know what I mean? Right. It's not just text talk. You want them to learn about actual sentences. Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. No, I mean, I, yeah. No, I, 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 I dang, I'm stuttering because I got so excited for a second. The rice balls, now this conversation. <laughs> You know, that's kind of the reason we, Taylor kind of, when we first started, this is about that quick, thoughtless tweet and post. Like, that's, this is what the, our young, our kids are learning in this, this generation of thoughtful communication is getting lost. I don't know, Taylor, take over from me. You're much more eloquent when you speak about this. <laughs> I, I mean, I just hope that, you know, we can have a conversation again, you know, so that people aren't being reduced to a tweet or a headline. Um, and that's kind of where we started with this whole idea. But um, so, it, you know, along those lines, talk to us about social media and what it's like now doing your job and then facing critics on social media. Do you just let it like wash over you? Because you, you do read them, like you respond, right? I do. It depends on what it is. I mean, there was one point at which over the summer where people were, you know, they were slamming me with criticisms and questions on social media. And I feel like probably too much, I make myself personally available to the residents. I want to, you know, call really me, thoughtful. email me. I'm happy to sit down and have a conversation, but if you're going to post a question about why didn't you, why did you put this this way? Or why didn't you include this viewpoint as a comment on a Facebook post? I said, I'm not going to see, I finally posted an individual Facebook post and I'm like, here's my phone number. Here's my email address. Wow. Call me amazing. anytime. That, I mean, I, I just, that's, that, if you re, if, and that's what I said, I said, if you're, you're, goal is to have a productive conversation versus publicly criticize me which is fine if that's your goal people are entitled but if you actually want an answer how contact many, me. how many people followed up on that when you threw out your number and email um, particularly your phone number did anyone actually take the time well people call my phone number all the time because we don't have an office really so they call my number all the time i mean oh lord yeah i mean and it's fine i mean the amount of things that i've actually done in terms of work for the darian times throughout the pandemic I would say 50% of them you have not seen on pages. 
That's you know, a perfect example. I'll tell you a really funny story. People love to go to the beach, of course. But this year, to apply for a beach pass, you had to go through. Right. This was a big controversy, actually. And and that plus you had to go through a computer system. Oh, sorry. Okay. Right. Right. So I got a call from some older lady. Very funny. But she was so mad. She called and she's like, I am so mad. Like launched immediately into it when I answered the phone. And my daughter, my older daughter was sitting there. She was like, she's like, I cannot get on this thing, my laptop. I don't know how to use it. I can't get any help. And I felt bad for her, honestly. I mean, you know, like my parents would struggle with like, you know, I'm like, okay. I said, so I let her talk. I let her talk. I let her talk. I said, let me help you. I created an account for her over the phone and we got her a beach permit. That is amazing. I set it up. I'm like, all right, look. I said, you're all set. So she ends the call with, you are the IT help desk. Yes. She's like, now you have to help my friend. Oh, Oh, Lord. So her friend then calls me and she's like, I'm sorry about my friend. (laughs) So I helped her get her beach. But she's like, thank you so much. I said, I want a picture of you two on the beach. She's like, what do you want a picture of two old You don't get paid enough in for bathing all this. suits. I, you know that what? I, but I get paid in the fact that they can go to the beach. But the, I mean, the it amount of stuff happy. that you do, like legit, you're running this thing by yourself, right? So how many articles are you writing a week? Let's just start with that. Oh, uh, hmm. Um, 10, 8 to 10, probably. That's crazy. That's a lot. It depends on what's going on. I mean, it's, you and know how what? how do you even get the stories? Like, how do you find these stories? You know what? I, I um... They just happen, to be quite honest. I mean, they really just happen. I just... No, I think they happen because you've been at this and you're such a professional that they do. That's a crazy... That's a statement that I'm going to call you out on. You take for granted that you've put in all the work, I think, the last 15 years that now they're coming to you, right? It's like once the momentum builds, it's almost right. like you can't stop the train. Well, some of them, I just have a mental like calendar where I know the things... Like, I know bulk pickup happens this time of year. Let me go to the page. I write a story. Bulk pickup is happening. How is it happening? Is it happening different? I know Shakespeare on the Sound yes. is doing their planning right now. Got it. Canceled last year. Let me call and find out. Um, and so I did a story about that. I can't believe all your stories you also post. Do you do it yourself? Do you do you post all the stuff yes. to social media? I, I just don't know how you have time for this, but okay. But. <laughs> yeah, right. And like the egg story. Did that just come to you? Do you know? The the egg egg story. They did. The guy called Taylor me. Taylor cannot drop this egg story. I, Jeez. It was a great story. How often? <laughs> To look really up how chickens. chicken contractions happen. <laughs> well, I remember you putting the article up about chickens that were learning to play dead last year because we were talking about having chickens here. So I was very attuned to all poultry related. That was a really media. fun story. <laughs> but that was a really fun story because I was like, oh, was you adorable. know, animals really made us happy during the pandemic. Yeah, we were and also like, very. The lady from Make Modern has that pig. It's so great. And then like that, I love that one. Lady, Erica. And then the ch- yeah, Erica's amazing. Erica's she fantastic. Is. Oh my gosh, I interviewed her about her pig. It was so much fun. We gotta get her in on here. I actually you get did. the pig in here. You need get the pig. She is amazing. And I got to do, which I love to throw my little literary references in. So when I did the story about the pig, the headline was some pig. Like Charlotte's Web. <laughs> that no, right. I I got it. I got that's really good. Yeah. Schultz, genius, genius work here. Makes me happy. Okay, so you're, you're okay, so you're, you know, writing ten articles a week, doing the research. I know you think it's kind of an auto drive. It, it kind of is. You you put your time in. It should be an auto drive, but you're still posting all this to Facebook. And now we just find out you're responding to all the Facebook. And well, signing our seniors up for beach passes. No, no, no. And yeah. signing them up for beach passes. Well, I'm not responding to all of them. I only respond if there's a question. Or if someone's not behaving properly, which for the most part I don't do that, but they're so you're, you know you're policing Facebook. I a just bit. make sure because it's my it's my playground, and if, you know people get into a fist fight, you know I want to be like okay, let's everybody be nice. There's a couple of times where I have it to be like, you know, there's been you know stories where people like you know attack each other, and I'm like I don't want this to happen. I don't want to delete your comment because I'm very against doing that. I feel like everybody should have their right to their comment. Whether or not we find it distasteful, they should be able to say it. But if you're attacking other people or if there's any kind of profanity or anything like that, then yeah. I delete well, it. Well, yeah, free speech, hot topic right now. I mean, how do you feel about, you know, nationally, what feels like to some an assault on free speech? So like some people get unhappy when they feel like, for example, the letter section is imbalanced in terms of one viewpoint or another. The letter to the editor? Right. Yeah, and I quite don't a hot have playground. It is, and I, I really don't have any control over that. And I try to explain that to them. It's what comes in, what comes in gets printed, right? Right. 
I mean, that has been my policy. I print every letter I get. And yes, every I get letter. So if you get 20 letters in one week. Have you, you seen our paper during election? Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. like half of it is yeah. letters. You know, I try to be, I think that's the fair way to do it. Unless somebody is defaming someone or, or you know, like I, unless it's really, you know, and I do run it by like the Hearst um, editorial uh, director. If it's something where I'm really worried about it or it's something um, questionable. Have you ever edited a letter because of that? Like there's something said there that is just inappropriate bullying or something. I don't necessarily edit a letter, but I might say, you know, I, I don't necessarily think this is right for our paper or something, but it very, very rarely happens. It has to be extreme. But will Hearst, uh, I say, I say Hearst, cause I'm, I'm going to go corporate here. Well, Hearst, you as a representative Hearst edit someone's content or would you go back to someone and say, Hey, listen, you know, what you said here might be a little controversial. Can we update this? That hasn't been my experience. Okay. I mean, you know, sometimes I edit op-eds or edit or letters just for style, you know, like New York versus NY or something. And that's probably not even the right way to put it, but you know what I mean? Little things like that. But I, I don't um, edit somebody's, you know, opinion. Let's look forward. What is the story you'd most like to get or write for our town? Is there something out there that you'd really love to cover? Hmm. Um, <laughs> I always wanted to go back and find the gentleman from the original church story and say where he is now. Yeah. But I've tried and it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. That is really cool. Way to spring it back. Your, that should be your final career. That should be your sail into the sunset. <laughs> Full circle. There's, you know, there's, I'm trying to think of other ones. I, I'm, I'm definitely stubborn in terms of getting stories. So if there's a story I want, I've also done a lot of fun celebrity stories, which have taken me a lot of work. That's the, my first Scott Pelley interview took me probably a year. Why? Because, it, you know, Susan Schultz from the Darien Times does not break down CBS evening news. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it took me a long time. I tried to find a number. I ended up finding his home address and I hand wrote a letter <laughs> and I mailed it to him. I love the old school approach. I did. Awesome. I wrote a letter and yeah. then his wife ended up messaging me. And then, it, but it literally took a year and we were on our way to breakfast and we answered the Darien Times phone. And the lady's like, Hi, this is so and so from CBS. I have Scott Pelley for Susan Schultz. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So I was like, I can't go to breakfast. Get out. I will be quiet. Get out. Get out. And, and back to that breakfast, like, the, I forgot about the Thursday breakfast. Like, I was. Sad that's gone. Maybe you're not Wait, sad what? it's gone. Wait, we used to have Thursday morning breakfast. At the Sugar Bowl. Who's we? The Darien Times for years. For a long time. So fun. So what, was it just because it was too much? Well, um, there was, uh, you know, obviously the pandemic put a little bit of a break on uh, it. And yeah. also, forgot about that. When we uh, changed ownership, because we paid for the breakfast. I wasn't sure, you know, how it would work. Um, so I suspended it when... We first changed ownership, and then, you know, it was fun, but it was um, at times difficult to manage the personalities. Sure. And it was just, you know, quite frankly, it started when the paper came out on Thursday, and it was just a print product. So it was like, right. okay, the paper's done. We got some time. Let's chat about the paper. And yeah, to recap for people who don't know, then there would be like a crew that would gather yeah. the sugar bowl and chit chat. And there was great things about it. We would have people come and bring story ideas. But, you know, once you start having, like, a website where stories need to be done every day and maintained every day and updated every day, I didn't really have the Thursday yeah. morning to kind of spare. So, you know, it's unfortunate, and I would like to have more community involvement in terms of sitting down and having a conversation. But the other thing we also got was criticism from people who felt that they were not represented at the breakfast, shall we say, because, you know, everybody doesn't have 10 o'clock in the morning on Thursday. You have right, a whole right. slew of people who have nine to five jobs or probably the bulk of our audience that weren't able to sit down with the Darien times and say, Hey, I'd like to see this covered. I'd like to see that covered. So maybe I'd figure out a way someday to maybe do something at the library or something at night. Yeah, totally. I mean, it, and it's too bad. I mean, I guess it is, it makes sense that things are moving faster now. There's not that much time, it, but it's funny because it is sort of why we're doing this now. Maybe it's because we don't have as much chance to interact with sometimes people we disagree with, right? Like right. sit across and have a cup of coffee and see eye to eye. Um, you know, I did forge some pretty functional relationships with people on the other side of the aisle, you know, at those coffees. Right. So that's, I mean, that's really valuable. No, I agree. 
what do you think is next for the Darien Times and printed media? And I'll go into your career, where it's next for your career, but start with media, printed local papers. Where do, do you think there's a future there? I do think there's a future for community newspapers. I actually think throughout a lot of papers closing, I feel like community newspapers are always going to be valuable because you can't, you know, you can't cut your wedding announcement out of a website. You can't cut your kid's <laughs> sports picture out of a good point. You know, I still get calls like, you know, last we did the story about St. Patrick's Day at Rory's and I got a call from one of the moms of the Irish dancers. And she was like, I'm so excited. Oh my gosh, where can I get copies? And you know, since we don't have a local office, and a shout out to the Darien News Store. Love that guy. You know the Darien News no. Store on Tokeny? I don't. You should have him come in I'll here. Admit. He is an amazing person. Oh. Bill Freight, he owns the Darien News Store. It's an old fashioned five and dime, has like things that probably haven't been produced in like 30 years. It's, you know, it's literally anything you want. It has like Darien. I love that. Postcards. It has like, he has like a collection of holiday stuff you can get that again, hasn't probably been produced in years. He takes it out and puts it out. But he's a good friend of mine. He's a great supporter of the Darien Times. So when people want to copy, he's sort of like my home base now. So I, I call that. him cool. and say, somebody's um, son was on the front page of the Memorial Day section. And he, get, he said, he gave it to them and he's like, out of respect, I'm just going to give this to you. I don't even want to charge you. Like, He's just old school. He knows everything about Darien. And he's just been a very great supporter of the Darien time. So he'll always coordinate with me if somebody wants to pick up copies. That's so cool. And, and cool. this is exactly the, the exactly reason you're here right now. You are such an important part of our culture and our community. And I can't thank you enough. I think this is probably the best way to wrap it up because, you know, we, our hat is off to you. Thank you for bringing oh, well, our community you. together and, and bringing us such important news for so many years. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. We look forward to having you back again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Susan. Go get them, Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Good stuff. Bye.